Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to another episode of Early Work, the show in which I demand performers and writers read me the creative writing of their teenage years. This week's guest is Jordan Brooks. To anyone unfamiliar with Jordan's work, he is a genre-bending, boundary-pushing, genuinely exciting comedian. Let me be the first to say he's the riskiest comic in the biz. I know how boring it is to earnestly plug someone I've already booked for a podcast you're about to hear, but this show isn't sponsored by Beer 52. Okay, it's the only podcast in the world that isn't, which means I've got plenty of time to tell you that Jordan is excellent and beer is pathetic. This episode is sponsored by Jordan Brooks. He spoke all about being an obnoxious little shit at school who wasn't um, doing singing, acting and dancing in stagecoaches run by his nan, wooden heads in his granddad's house, and then he read to us from his collection of spooky stories, poems and a funny joke. And boy, is that joke a funny joke. I mean, it's a joke that's got its own title and it's also got an incredibly soft punchline. Uh, and there's also a poem about chickens and fire, so fair enough. You can't say fair enough. You can't say riskier than that. Plus, I also read out maybe my best ever opening line to a poem that I've ever done. So I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Here it is. Joining me this week on yet another lockdown edition of Early Work is Jordan Brooks. Hello, Jordan. Hi, hello. Um, for those of you who don't know, listeners, Jordan Brooks is probably best known for when uh, he and I successfully relaunched the Boulevard Theatre together. Um, oh, yeah. Still haven't been paid for that. <laughs> oh, actually, good point. Good point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm glad I brought it up now. Oh, yeah. I suppose I haven't been paid for that either. What the yeah. fuck? Maybe it's because oh, well, the it gig was... was empty. Oh, yeah. Is that... I, I didn't know that that's how it's judged on the... You get paid if you can get people through the door. I didn't I think, know it was I think a, we it was... did agree a fee regardless of whether we got people through the door. But it... Yeah, I'd be surprised if there was a bringer gig where you had to bring an entire audience with yeah. you. <laughs> a theatre's worth. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's almost like starting a gig in a theatre at 11.30pm isn't a great business model, isn't it? In the middle of Soho as in well. In the middle of... In the heart of Soho. What I loved about that gig is it's like a brand new theatre that's been rebuilt. And then Kiri was comparing excellently. Mm. But she... Everyone she spoke to and said, what do you do? Said, I'm an actor. Um, yeah. Which means <laughs> yeah, yeah. that... Oh, are you a bunch of people who are on a theatre's mailing list and got some free tickets for this evening? Yeah, just a bit. It was ridiculous. Yeah. There was like one middle-aged couple and then the rest of the audience... Were, I think there were two genuine sales in that audience. Oh, for sure, for sure they were. Uh, and they just had no idea. Do you know, you can just tell sometimes with an audience, they just don't know what it is that they've come to. And they leave knowing less somehow. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I, it was one of those gigs where I went, I can't stay. I can't stick around for this. Even though it wasn't terrible. It didn't go badly, but you just feel almost like there's a, there's a ghost in the building. And you have to, you have to go. You're spooked. I do remember actually you coming off and being quite panicked asking for the key card to the dressing room. 
<laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah. Like, have you got the keycard? Really... Have you got the keycard at the dressing room? And I was like, fucking hell, what Christopher Nolan film is this? Like, I need the keycard. <laughs> did... I need the entry code. Just because you want to get your jacket. On stage? And go, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did he discover that I'm about to? <laughs> did you plant a bomb while you were on? Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, you left and then I absolutely smashed it. So, Jordan, okay, if good. I had to. No, I mean, obviously it was fucking shit. If I had to guess um, what you were like at school, Jordan, and I do because it's the first format point of the show, uh, whatever it is. <clears throat> okay, strap in for this. Um, first up, I've put spent a lot of time in corners or at the back of things. <laughs> Uh, it continues to if someone so like basically if someone randomly took a photo of your classroom everyone would look at that photo and then turn around and say Jordan have you always been there (laughs) right I don't mean (laughs) I don't mean that you're anonymous I just can imagine you lurking occasionally Uh, I've said prankster but in a sophisticated way so it wasn't like water balloons and whoopee cushions and basic shit like that I think more like you found out how to access every school email on the intranet system and then you would like set up an anonymous new email address and then use that to send everyone in the school porn. Um, that's my that's my theory. Uh, I put teacher's worst nightmare, but not in a show off to your mates kind of way, more in a, oh no, that quiet boy has set fire to the maths block kind of way. <laughs> uh, because I think it wasn't about the approval. It was more about just wanting to take the risk and go and fuck you, I can do what I want. Um, but I've put the one time you didn't take any risks whatsoever was on non-uniform day when I think you went in with Zuckerberg levels of plain, unmockable clothing. Um <laughs> I would also, the final point is I would wager there was a girl that you were in love with who had absolutely no idea of that fact. Now, is any of that in any way true? Do you know what? None of it. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it goes either way, doesn't it? Sometimes it's bang on. Sometimes it's way off. No, I can, I, what I can understand, I can understand it is, it is accurate in, in the sense that that could easily apply to the person that I think you think I am. So yeah, I believe that you. Yeah, yeah, I, I believe you've been very sharp and on the on the on the nose. It's just not my nose. <laughs> what I've described is, um, if there was like a weird movie now, we're called Jordan Goes to School, and it's yeah. you now in school. I think is what that I was would be at. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If there was like a sort of um, a TV series where, yeah, if there was like a TV series and they were following yeah, yeah. me. And the producers were like, we think it'd be really funny if you could be the weird ghost in the corner and be like, absolutely, I can do that for money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but actually at school, I was quite, um, I was I was a little bit shy, but I was also very, um, I went through periods of being incredibly loud and attention-seeking. I was very like, perf- right. I was very performing all the time. Um, but I it, actually probably the, the one thing, the one thing you're sort of quite accurate about is that I was like naughty but in that way where the teachers would would go come on mate like this isn't this isn't you do you know what i mean like they'd be like oh, you're because, better than this because is that because of the opposite of what i said so it was because you they thought you were trying to impress your fellow pupils yeah for sure i was definitely um showing trying off trying to just definitely showing off definitely wanted their approval constantly um but i yeah a few times a few times i'd be caught i remember i remember the headmaster calling me into his office and he said you're a bit of a rebel without a cause and I just went I'm getting there and I don't even know what I was talking about <laughs> I mean what are you possibly even getting that from what, what does that, that mean? mean that means nothing what does that mean it's just nothing it's just pure bluster just confirming what he was saying <laughs> I may as well have just gone yeah. and walked out <laughs> yep Thank you. Yeah, um, thank you for saying those words at me. So was there anything specific you did? So I've gone with pranks like you said in the school porn, but were you doing anything? Were you just being like a loudmouth? Yeah, I was just a loudmouth. But I was, really, I was a funny kid. I was a really funny kid. So people just people just loved my disruptions, you know. And once you as we as we know, once you get the buzz for that, once you get the taste, yeah. it's very hard to let go. So um yeah, I was just I was I was I was very I was very good at um speaking <laughs> I was very I was very good at, at sort of um yeah I was very good at the moment I was very good at, I was very good at entertaining people so I, I really loved I really loved doing that um I think a lot of people found me incredibly obnoxious but in that way where you go oh he's not confident he's just externally insecure right yeah, yeah. you know where you go well we better leave it because he's clearly operating from a place of deep vulnerability yeah <laughs> What was your style then? So if you would, if you were getting laughs all the time because you were doing back chat, what was your style? Were you just like 
uh, sarcastic or was it like big? I was a sh- I was a sh- I was shape shifting. So I was I would be like sarcastic and detached and deadpan, and then another time I'd be really you know hyper. And I remember um, there was we had this oh, this this poor German teacher who she just could not get control of the class, and everyone everyone was being disruptive. And my form tutor set up a camera at the back of the room to record it, and I knew it was there. And I still acted up. I still, I still did it. And there was one. Um, she used to have this this tub of sweets that she would give out as, as you know, as a, as a as a as a sort of treat for anyone who could who could say something in in German or whatever. And I crawled under the tables to get to it while she was teaching. And I think that was one of the most obnoxious, awful things because <laughs> seeing an adult, seeing a teacher, or yeah, seeing an adult generally look at you with. Look at you with a sort of oh the boundaries that I set didn't work and now I don't know what to do mm. uh, is is very haunting and I and I'm I'm ashamed to say I was responsible for a lot of those looks throughout my time. As yeah, well. I know exactly where you're coming from. We uh, I in like year ten, I think my form had a reputation for being one of the worst forms in history, mm. and it had yeah. a lot of people like you're describing yourself in it. I was much more of a sarcastic attitudey back chat. I mean, very much the vibe I've continued to monetize. Um, whereas other people were like sort of more aggressively naughty uh, and physical and were just like smash chairs over each other and just throwing things around. And there was one time we had a form tutor called Mr. Gritton, who was a modern language te- French teacher. And he was getting so frustrated by everything that was going on that quite teary he then said right everyone outside line up against the wall we're leaving this room you just line up against the wall and then opposite where we were lined up was the english block and from the top floor a boy two years above just kept leaning out of the window and shouting gritton lives in britain and then ducking down (laughs) (laughs) and he didn't know what to do because he just literally kept going gritton lives in britain ducking down so he couldn't be seen mr gritton would turn around look up who said that who said that and everyone was like, but you do, sir, you do. <laughs> and he couldn't understand why we were mocking him for living in Britain. And we weren't. No, no one gave a shit. It was just funny to say, Britain lives in... What can you punish someone for that? You can't. I mean, are you a classic case of what comedians tend to be like at school? with? Because you were good at things like drama and English, did you have, like, mm. one insanely encouraging teacher? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, well, if we encourage this man, he might not kill himself in his early 20s. <laughs> yeah. um, so I had, a, I had a drama teacher called Jill Whitlock who still gets in touch with me. So she so she emails me out of the blue all the time. She emailed me when I won the, the comedy award and said, I just read in the paper and I can't tell you how proud I was. She, she sent me this really long sort of thing about... Um, seeing seeing something in me in drama and and seeing how much it meant to me at the time and and how much of a sort of uh sanctuary i i i think i probably treated it because i was just you know i felt yeah i was very she was she was just utterly wonderful and so encouraging and she um yeah she she emailed me almost like two or three months ago with a, a link to a job just to be like i i hear your industry's probably you know, under threat. So here's a here's a link to a copywriting job. I mean, it's just it's just wonderful. I mean, I ignored <laughs> it, obviously. Yeah, I mean, you could you can read that one of two ways. You can you can see that as an insult, or you can see it as a lovely um you know olive branch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, what were you? What were the performances you would do in drama? Was it like so? Obviously, you've got to do it in class. But were you doing any extracurricular like performancey stuff? No, not really. My my um my family are quite are quite heavily tethered to um stagecoach theatre arts. I don't know if you ever heard of that growing yeah, up or of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so my, my nan ran some stagecoach schools, my my mum did. Um when we lived in Merseyside, she ran a couple in Chester and Wilmslow. And uh so I obviously just kind of took part. So there was a bit of you know, there, there was a bit of sort of I guess extracurricular drama stuff, but it was never, you know, if, if anyone who went to stagecoach will know that the purpose is not to get you prepped for your RADA audition. It's it's very much just um, to boost confidence and and to get people doing something fun on a Saturday morning. So, um, but that was all I did really. But that, I did I did find that very fun. So, what do you actually do in stagecoach though? So, like, you, if you like, if you're going there on a Saturday morning and you're there for say mm. an hour and a half. Are you doing like zip zap boing type uh, quick thinking improv games or kind of. 
that was like a drama warm up that I remember from um, my various equally lame clubs. Um, <laughs> but other than that, we would then like the ones I would go to. It wasn't stagecoach, I don't think, but they were more like write a play about this in ten minutes and come right. back and perform it for the group. No, they were so it was it was an hour of singing, an hour of acting, and an hour of dancing. Oh my god! Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what absolute and, hell! It was. Um, I mean, I loved I loved the drama bit, but the rest of it not not so much. Sometimes I would just duck in, do the drama, and then not do the the rest. Um, Swanning it around like I was better than everyone else, yeah. just because my mum, you know, owns the place. Um, I mean, she didn't own the venue; she just had the space for three hours a day. Uh, yeah, it was it was it was good. I, I really I really um, I really enjoyed it, but I was also very shy. Still, you know, I lacked. I had a no confidence whatsoever in my in my abilities, so I never really pushed myself to to do it much more than just sort of dipping my toe in for a bit of a bit of a confidence boost every once in a while. What happens in that hour of singing? Is everyone they just go sit start singing now and then everyone just sings, or do they go? We're all going to sing this hot song together. <laughs> yeah, they don't just go right. Sing what comes to mind after. after <laughs> on the count of three and just hope that someone syncs up with another person. Um, I, it was mostly like old show tunes and stuff and musicals. So it's just someone playing a piano while we all stand with song sheets and, and bellow for an hour. Okay, well, if that's... Okay, so that's the singing thing. From that, I can get a slight idea of what the dancing hour would be. Now, tell me what the <laughs> acting hour would be. Someone just goes... Someone just holds the Die Hard script and says, go. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um uh, we did a few things. We do sort of a mix of games, improv games. Um, we try and so there would always be uh, an end of term presentation for the parents to explain to them why they're paying, you know, <laughs> two hundred pound a term. Um, go here, here is what your child has been doing, and it was often like in a very, very abridged version of Bugsy Malone. Of course. Sorry, how did I not guess that? Yeah, it's always Bugsy Malone. Six six <laughs> Bugsies a year. Yeah. Um, there was um, there was one time that they did Chicago. Feels like a bit of a misstep. Sure. I remember my mum doing the choreography for it in the in the living room. So so I had I had a real sort of love hate relationship with all of that stuff because I hated hearing these soundtracks. So I hated musicals growing up because I just because my mum would be constantly trying to choreograph this dance for it because she was doing that and she was also. She'd also worked a lot in amateur theatre, so she was always directing and choreographing stuff in, in these little theatres. Um, and so I really grew to resent, because I'd have to be like, as, you know, as a, as a morose teenager, sidestepping my mum doing some flirty <laughs> Chicago-esque dance. But um, I, I've, I've grown to really tolerate musicals considerably. Yeah, it's a lot to overcome that. If, yeah. if, if every time you hear any kind of show tune, you close your eyes and picture your mum doing some sort of fucking <laughs> shimmy, then yeah, yeah, you're gonna go. That isn't for me. <laughs> Good God, yeah. I mean, there's so many issues come come with all of that. Really didn't expect this. Really didn't expect this all to come out. <laughs> Did you uh, ever at back at school? If you were like being a little shit and showing off and stuff, and then in the meantime you're off doing stagecoach type stuff. Mm. Did you ever put yourself out there in a stagey way at school? Not necessarily doing extracurricular drama, but say like end of term skits. Or like saying, "Oh, I've written a thing. I'll read that out." At this, God, no, I never, I never did. Um, there, there were a few end of term talent shows, but I remember one guy who loved Michael Jackson. His name was Michael, and he, and he really, very similar to me actually. He, he'd focus on one thing and be so obsessed and so absorbed in that thing to the point where he'd be imitating the main character of whatever film it was. Or he became really obsessed with Michael Jackson. And he, I think he did Earth Song, and he got two of his friends to do it as well. And they were stand, and I, I kid you not. So that the whole time he's doing this dance, and he's and he's and he's singing along, and he's got his two friends standing on stage either side of him with their backs to the audience for like almost the entirety of the song, and then during like the final chorus, they just turn around and just start clicking their fingers. That was it. <laughs> And it was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Shit! Did they know that was funny? I don't think they. I don't think they still know it's. It's. It was funny. right. Right. Did they? They'll did, take. They'll take that ignorance to the grave. And good. Did, and good for them. They should. Did the audience laugh? Did they? The audience like find? Were they? Did they have the piss taken at them for it, or was it sort of like? No, because the, the kids were just sort of baffled. Like you know, when you're that age, you're just sort of like a. You're just sort of like a cat. 
Yeah. It's sort of like a cat watching other cats. You don't really know what's going on. Yeah, you're just staring. <laughs> yeah. In our in our Leavers thing, in like at the end of year 11, two of my mates did the Napoleon Dynamite dance together. Uh, oh, my, my. Yeah, in like a big assembly as well. And like all the parents were there. All the... Uh, all this, all the year 11s, all the parents and all the teachers, oh and they just God. did it. And so, like, if you've not seen it, it's just the weirdest. <laughs> Especially do given people that enjoy it. It famously ends with him, the song just like abruptly stopping, and then he just like yeah. runs off stage really awkwardly. So, if you've never seen that film, you're just thinking, "Oh, those poor lads." <laughs> <laughs> those poor but weirdly, weirdly synchronized, perfectly lads. choreographed <laughs> lads. Um, I think people um, did actually, enjoy it. Yeah, I think most people had seen good. it. Like most of the pupils had seen it. So they and the parents yeah. at those things are basically just going, "Well, this is an hour and a half of private jokes." So how are we? Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Exactly. This is an hour. Well, yeah, and this is an hour of us side eyeing other parents that we yeah. that we <laughs> vaguely like. Um, actually, I did. I did do something embarrassing. That I. I mean, no one knows it was embarrassing. I did. Um, so, so there was an. So there was a sort of end of school presentation. This is just as I. So this is after my GCSEs, and they'd. Um, they were handing out awards for people. People getting awards for. I remember this guy called Dan got an award for never missing a single day or whatever, and. I got one for drama, so Jill, old Witters, came through and gave me a, a, a like a, I guess like the equivalent of a lifetime achievement award, where it was like con- <laughs> contributions to drama. And it just Age meant sixteen. You, you, yeah, it was just like you did a lot of drama at school, and um, but it was a big deal. Like you know, they gave me like forty quid, which I spent on weed, and I I got I went up, and this is like this is like two hundred people in there in this in the in the gym, and I go up, and I collect. This, I get handed this envelope, and there's a table behind the guy, the, the, the teacher presenting it, full of trophies. And I think, well, the envelope is just the precursor. Surely I've got, I've got a, a wallop of a trophy coming. There wasn't one, but I had already turned around, waiting to be handed a trophy. And so what I did was realizing my mistake. I turned around back to the audience and then did a big bow and then left. <laughs> no one knows. Everyone thinks that I was just doing a classic, you know, oh, arrogant old Brooksy's display. doing one of his Brooksy bits. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. classic Brooks to do that. He, that's why that's why Witters loves him so much because he's so confident. No, he but just wanted a trophy. It's, it's probably just characterised exactly what my act is as well on stage where people go, oh, oh, it looks like he knows what he's doing. No, no, no. It's pure bluster. I once won an award on a... Um, at the end of a school trip for um, trying new foods. <laughs> That's so funny. Were you one of the people, one of the niche ones where they've run out of <laughs> Yeah, most improved. Categories. It was just like earliest to the bus. <laughs> yeah, I once got... So, so everyone, everyone on, our, on our German trip got like funniest on the bus and most charismatic and best, best looking, which seems problematic now. And me and my friend got... Um, uh, something like the Water Rapids boys, because yeah. on one of the days we'd gone, we'd gone, we'd gone to the swimming baths, and the teachers happened to see us hanging out by the rapids. Absolutely ridiculous. The water, like yeah. probably everyone went there. Yeah, <laughs> everyone went there. The Water Rapids. Oh, this, oh my God! Look, it's the Water Rapids. I bet you got recognised all around the town for the for next sure. couple of years. Oh, the Water Rapid boys are coming. God, careful! They're pretty quick. They're pretty slippery. Um, I got another one once. What was that? It was. Uh, Oh, that was it. Once in, like, we were probably in year eight, and then my friend, my best mate Sam, and then two of the girls from the popular group made this really weird thing called the year, oh, it was year nine, it was called the year nine list. And just out of nowhere, everyone just got an email, right, and it just had different categories, like best hair, best nose, best dress Mm. sense, and all this, and like loads of different things, best footballer, like, um... Uh, biggest cutie, and just all this stuff, and they just like gone through and made this list and then sent it to everyone, and it was so random. Everyone's like, "What? What's this?" But it's all anyone talked about for ages. Uh, and I got safest. Uh, <laughs> what does that even? And mean? And I asked him what it meant, and he was like, "Oh, like you, like as in most trustworthy. Like I can tell you a secret, and you won't tell anyone." And I was like, "Yeah, but you are my best friend. If anyone else tells me a secret, <laughs> I, like, I feel like I've been pretty biased by the judging panel here." Were you writing anything at this time, like uh, that you were showing anyone or not showing anyone in your own time? I was. Um, I mean, I, I did a bit of writing when I was sort of as a teenager. I got really into writing comedy scripts, and I'd write. Uh, I think my first comedy script was 
unsurprisingly, um, the biggest error you can make in writing. It was called The Comedy Script, and it was about, <laughs> let me tell you, two people trying to write a comedy script. Oh, that's clever. And it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Went so meta, heard that. So, so meta, so quick. Um, but I was writing bits and pieces. But, but I bet if you, if you were a teenager writing that, you must have thought, well, I am a genius. I mean, yeah, 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 I've changed sure, the game. Sure. Oh, absolutely, 100%. I thought, why has no one ever done this before? Um, and then you grow old, you get older and you go, oh, yeah, does it, you, you do learn why people don't do it. Um, but I did a lot of writing when I was a kid. Like I was quite, yeah, I was always been quite creative. When I was, when I was at primary school, I, I, I did, um, I must have been about six or seven and I wrote, I wrote this, this book, which I've still got, I've got here with me. Um, it's called Amazing Ghost Stories and Some Poems and a Funny Joke. And I actually sent it off to a publisher as well. I, uh, when you were six? When I was six. Well, my parents did. And they sent it, we sent it to a children's book publisher, I think, mistakenly believing them to be a publisher that releases books written by children. Yeah. <laughs> and run by children. <laughs> run by children. <laughs> Let me tell you, the fierce, cold-hearted response I got from them confirmed that it is not run by anyone who was ever a child. Yeah. Oh, God. Have you, do you know what, have you got the response? I've got the response here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got the response. So they wrote it in. Um, so it's just a it's just a classic generic, typed out response. And then underneath, someone has has then handwritten something, clearly recognizing that <clears throat> it wasn't an adult who had written amazing ghost stories and some poems and a funny joke. Yeah, and they should probably be a bit kinder. Um, I can read that to you, or I can read you some of the um, some of the stories if you want first. Yeah, let's have the stories first because we need some context. I need to know if I'm going to side with this uh, rejection letter or not, I think. (laughs) Also, Jordan, just to let you know, I mean, you you now know that that opening by saying the joke is going to be funny heaps far too much pressure on yourself. I mean, you'd never do that in a gig. But I almost called my live show last year Amazing Ghost Stories and Some Poems and a Funny Joke. Because I thought that's a really, that is a funny title. But as you say, people will be like coming in, turning up, d- aggressively demanding. This joke better be funny. funny. He said it was funny. <laughs> he said these ghost stories would be amazing. They're only brilliant. You better, <laughs> you better have at least three poems because some poems implies more than two. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I can read you. I'll read you the first. Um, <clears throat> they're really short and um, don't really... They don't scan very well. Here we go. The first one is called. In fact, so, so, so the book that I made, it's got a tight, it's got a cover, it's got a contents page as well. Um, here we go. Here's the first. This is this is one of the scary stories. The night fright. Once in a theatre, a man was alone, checking the doors if they were locked. The theatre was being closed down for two years. The man was just locking his office when he heard a noise behind him. He looked behind him, but no one was there, so he turned around and locked the door. But just then he heard the noise again, so he looked behind him. But just before he turned back around again, something grabbed him and chained him to the wall and then built another wall over him. The man behind the wall suddenly died, and then when the people came back, they saw that there was an extra wall. They knocked it down, and when they knocked it down, there was a skeleton. End of story. Great, I love it. I mean, it it actually is a scary story not to find out what the mysterious thing that grabbed me did that is. We have no yeah. idea what that is. And you say these are ghost yeah. stories in the title, so we're, I'm thinking it's a ghost, but it, I mean, it can't be. It could have it could have been a cold blooded murderer. I mean, it could have been it could have been natural causes that this person because this person could have bricked themselves up and died. It is a very naturally. strange thing to do as a murderer, isn't it? To uh, you know, dispose of a body in the exact place that you killed it. The the first place yeah. you would look for a uh, old theatre security man is probably in the place sus- he was locking up. Yeah, a suspiciously freshly built wall. Yeah, and then there's a brand new wall, like in a video game, that you know where you break that down, <laughs> yeah. and then you get the treasure. I can interact I mean, with that easily. <laughs> it's pretty scary, mate. It's pretty. It's Thank like you. it's that level of kid darkness where. Like all parents think that kids are scared of ghosts or whatever, mm. um, but they're scared of k- being kidnapped. I mean, mm. I was as a kid, I was like, no, 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 my fear isn't the dark because what if a ghost emerges? It's what if a man climbs through the window and yeah. takes me somewhere I don't know? And that plays yeah. on that fear a lot more. Of no, what if I get chained up and then someone bricks a wall around me so no one can see? 
Exactly, exactly. And um, this this story was was it was all. In fact, all of these stories, I think, are um, what ones that my dad told me. So these are these are things that my dad would tell me to sort of spook me. So, um, wait, so, sorry, sorry, I've got to stop you there. What the fuck, mate? Yeah, go on. <laughs> you know how dads would spook their, their kids for no reason. <laughs> sorry, your dad told you. That story about someone chaining someone up to a wall and then building another wall on top of them. Yeah, he's trying to inspire me creatively. And then Did leaving them. Not encourage you. Well, you, well, you haven't been inspired. You just plagiarised him. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I haven't. I haven't credited it. If that's what, if that was the aim to inspire you, then all he's done is encourage theft. <laughs> um, so there's there's a few. There's one. There's a taxi. The, so the next one is called the taxi fright. Um, and that's about someone uh, who turned out to be a ghost who was a passenger obviously the next one is called The Ghost Uh, oh pretty root one that's pretty root one yeah (laughs) back to basics back to basics Um, I'll I'll read this one I haven't haven't read this one in a while (laughs) as if as if if I read them regularly in Yorkshire (laughs) a wooden head is called George every night he turns into a ghost and goes into the garage and when you walk past the garage you hear noises and he come in every room but if you have a field George the ghost will walk around it <laughs> okay so less of a okay. story more of just a sort of sort of struggle, struggling to follow that one so in Yorkshire right good perfect way to start a story set the scene where are we we're yeah. in Yorkshire exterior Yorkshire night uh, yeah. a wooden head is a ghost called mm-hmm. George and he's a wooden head so <laughs> there's, did, you lost did me I there. stutter <laughs> yeah okay and then he goes he you know he goes in every room yeah yeah he come he come yeah. in every room um, <laughs> he come in every room he come in every room unless you've got a field and then he just walks around the field yeah i don't know what any of i don't know why this isn't landing no i suppose it is now i just the reason it's not is because i'm trying to imagine what your dad told you for you to write that <laughs> Yeah, for a child to write this, fine. Did your dad for tell you that one piss? Tell, yeah. For an adult to tell this story. <laughs> Son, I've got, another, I've got another one for your book. Listen to this. I just imagine he gets home from the pub really pissed and you're like, oh, dad, I need another spooky story. He goes, ah, oh, it's a wooden bloke called George. He walks around in your house unless you've got a field. Night. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was another one. That one, actually, I think I probably came up with myself. It's, um, I think, my granddad. So my granddad lived in Yorkshire, and I think he had a wooden head in his in his house. He, he loved. Oh, thank God! Weird, you put you, the pregnant pause you did then. At that moment, <laughs> my, my granddad lived in Yorkshire, and I think he had a wooden head. And then it took a beat before you said in his house. And I was thinking, <laughs> Jordan, obviously open with this. How have you taken this long <laughs> to tell me? Oh, sorry, it's based on my wooden granddad. <laughs> But still, that's an interesting thing to hear. He had a wooden head in his uh, house. It was like a sort of, I guess, like a. It was like one of those phrenology heads, but without any insight into the how the brain functions. <laughs> right. Okay. So pointless. <laughs> Absolutely pointless. Yeah, Decorative pointless. wooden head. Okay. Fine. And were you scared of it? Were you scared of going to your granddad's house? Yeah, the whole time because it was it was a really nice it was a really nice house. So my granddad was um, a producer for the BBC in like the sixties and seventies. He did some good shows. He made All Creatures Great and Small. He produced that. He was responsible for adapting that, which Great. is something that people have heard of. He also directed a couple of episodes of Doctor Who, which he hated, <laughs> but never tired of telling the story. And he then produced uh, Triangle. Which is an which was a, a an ill-fated soap opera set on a cruise liner, and notoriously, if you ever watch those those like TV heaven, telly hell type shows, yeah, it's it's often something that gets brought up as a as an example of a disaster. And after that, he I think he got paid off, or he was he, he had his basically he lived he spent the rest of his life living off the BBC pension. 
So he was given this BBC pension <laughs> and <laughs> given money to never make TV again. <laughs> yeah. And so he, he lived, in, um, he lived in, in Yorkshire in this beautiful bungalow. It had like an indoor swimming pool and stuff. And I was like, we were just blown away as kids going, but how do people live like this? And it turns out uh, briefly, if you're not looking after your finances. So as a kid, I'd go, every time I'd go to Yorkshire, he'd have a different, smaller less elaborate house <laughs> as obviously he ran out of he ran out of money he was like he was very selfish like he just he didn't you know he never gave any money to his family or anything he just he just loved living in a big house and treating his uh, uh, his husband who was 30 years his junior he just he just he just it was living it up amazing and then yeah and you keep going oh we're going to granddad's house we've missed the turning no no <laughs> <laughs> yeah no no he lives in a flat now he lives in a bed set with his with his wooden head yeah but he kept his wooden head the whole time Okay, this next one is called A Ghost Who Looked in a Room. Let's hear it. Once in a pub, a lady was in her room brushing her hair, but just then a ghost walked past and looked in her room. The lady saw the ghost in her mirror. She went down the stairs and said to a man, Nobody is allowed up there. The man said, I know who it was. The lady said, Who is it? The man said, A man had this pub before us and he died up there. <laughs> wow, I mean, that is, um, it reminds me of The Office. <laughs> there I think a, there's been a ghost up there. Yeah, I think there's been a ghost. I think there's a landlord up there. <laughs> I think an ex-landlord. <laughs> oh god, yeah, fine. That, that story checks out. I mean, well, that you, was based on my um, my nan, my nan who who lived uh, lived in Yorkshire. Actually, it was my, so my dad's side. So so, so the, uh, my granddad was from my mum's side. Um, my nan briefly ran a pub in Yorkshire before before she moved to Birkenhead and she had this story that she told about her mum seeing a ghost and my nan was very you know very much into ghosts in a way that was increasingly amusing as I got older like she'd be like oh, I swear I heard a ghost going down the stairs and my dad would be like you can't even hear the telly what are you talking about yeah you know? <laughs> um uh so she told that story and obviously as a kid I was just I couldn't believe couldn't believe what I was hearing so once again it. it's a stolen story yeah, that's, I think that's a common thread here, isn't it? <laughs> to be fair, at no point in the title Amazing Ghost Stories, Some Poems and a Funny Joke do you claim to have written any of them. This, you, this is a cu- curated by Jordan Brooks, is what it will say, yeah. age six. Yeah. Um, uh, the next great. title, the next, the next one's called The Ghost in the School. Fine. Next one is called The Ghost in the Garden. Uh, they're all pretty, I mean, you know, they are... They are I think we should hear the ghost in the school. You want to hear the ghost in the school? Yeah, I think we need to know about that. Once in a school, everyone was working when the teacher said to a boy, go and change your reading book, please. So the boy went up all the steps. While he was going up the steps, he heard a noise. He looked behind him, but no one was there. So he stopped walking again. But just then he heard the noise again. So he looked all around him, but no one was there. But just then a ghost grabbed him and took him away. (laughs) It's quite similar to the night fright. There's a lot of, he looked round, no one was there, he looked round again, no one was there, and then he got grabbed. Yeah, there's a lot of, and he turned round and it's him. Yeah. That's nice, I like that story. It doesn't need to be in a school. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> Didn't need to be in a school, didn't need to be written. Yeah, fair enough. So the ghost in the garden's actually a little, a little it's got some, some interesting imagery. Okay. Once a boy was in the garden playing with his football when a ghost flew down from the sky. A boy ran to a tree and the ghost grabbed the boy's hand and the boy's hand changed to a skeleton's hand, but the skeleton's hand turned brown and the brown hand had a ribbon across it. <laughs> oh, what does that mean? Wow. <laughs> What's this a metaphor for? Hey, look, once, you know, once my work is out there, it's not for me to tell you. Right, it's all about what it interpretation, is or isn't about. Is it? All about interpretation. It's just sort of some. It's just a random collection of things that I thought were scary. Yeah, a skeleton immediately turning brown is one thing. Turn to skeleton, turn brown, ribbon. I mean, fucking, I can't even. Normally, I like to analyse what it could, what guesswork could mean, and it's been argued that I'm reading too much into things. I don't think. <laughs> Any amount of reading into that is ever going to do justice to what the fuck was going on in the psyche of a six-year-old Jordan Brooks. Because, I mean, what does the brown thing mean? What does the ribbon mean? I think it's a metaphor for capitalism. <laughs> I mean, they're all about capitalism, if we yeah. want to get into it. <laughs> the ghost in the mall. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the next one. Um 
This is a poem. Would you like to hear the poem? Yes, please. I think I think there's a couple of poems. Um, a poem about fire. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Once a fire caught on a wire and went to the kitchen and went down picking and found a chicken and started picking and found a bone and heard a tone. Is that the... Okay. Oh, right. Sorry. Um, okay. So, once there was a fire that... Yeah, you heard. ...finds a chicken. Is that... Yeah. The next step is... No, the fire caught on a wire. Catches on a wire. Yeah, keep up. And then it went, and then it went down to the kitchen. And then it went down picking. Now, I've written picking... As P-I-C-K-E-N. I don't know if that's a Went word. down Picken. Maybe that's a place. Picken. Um, Maybe it's a place. And then picking comes up in a minute again, doesn't it? And is that a different spelling? That's a different... That's a different spelling. That's just picking. Yeah. So picking is... Uh, it means to peck. <laughs> well, fair enough. Okay, so do you not like? I'm not <laughs> sorry. You, where have you I'm got not an idiot? I'm not an idiot. <laughs> you are now. <laughs> you, you weren't then. <laughs> we both are now. I mean, how, sorry, but how is your six-year-old vocabulary better than both of ours now? <laughs> Went down picking. Fuck it. Where you got that from? What? Absolutely no idea. So it caught on a wire. Uh, went to the kitchen. So it went down. So it. So the fire went down to the kitchen. It started pecking. Yeah. As fires are wont to do. And then it found a chicken, Ironic. and it started picking at the chicken with the with the flames. And then it found a bone, and then oh, what's that? It's interrupted. It heard a tone. Right. Well, that's fire alarm. Fire alarm. Fire alarm. It must be. Fire alarm. Must be. It's it's got to be. It- <laughs> I mean, there's literally nothing else <laughs> that it could ever be. Smoke alarm. Fire alarm. That's what you got. That is fascinating. A fire, you personifying a fire, essentially. Well, anthropomorphizing a fire, it goes yeah. and acts like a chicken to a chicken, mm-hmm. um, and then, then is interrupted by a fire alarm. Yeah, there's a lot of things imitating other things. Oh, fuck it up. Yeah. yeah, it's hard to keep up. It's hard to. <laughs> Christ. So. That was uh, that was one of them. Right, back to basics. The scary footsteps. <laughs> Once in a pub, some men were drinking after 11 o'clock. Yep. Oh. The men were friends of the owner in the pub. It was against the law to be drinking after 11 o'clock. I don't think it ever has been. <laughs> and there was a man who was deaf and he could not hear a thing. And while the men were drinking, they heard some footsteps and the men thought that the police were coming. So all the men, including the man who was deaf, went up to the door where they heard the footsteps. They opened the door and no one was there. So all the men went back to where they were sitting and the deaf man said that he heard the footsteps. <laughs> okay. I mean, that is my na- that is something my na- absolutely that is something that my na- I can hear my nan saying it word for word. Re- what really? She would say. I mean, really, she would tell you that story, and it would be and this deaf bloke said, "I can hear the footsteps," and then that would have been the end of the story. And everyone's like, "Oh." Yeah. So your yeah. nan would have told you a story about how it's illegal to drink after eleven o'clock in a pub. Yeah. yeah. I mean, surely she's just referring to a lock-in. I think she she means a lock in, um, and your yeah. child brain thinks that after eleven o'clock is the latest it's possible to be. Um, yeah, and the approach to fearing that the police are coming to get you is to go and answer the door to the police. That's the response. Or do they go to the yeah. or do they go to the other back door to leave? Because then they go to the door, uh, open the door, just, and no one's there. Let's just pour over the finer details here. So. And while the men were drinking, they heard some footsteps and the men thought that the police were coming. So all the men, including the man who was deaf, went up to the door where they heard the footsteps. Yeah. Yeah. So so they all went, quick, the police are coming. Let's go and meet Let's them. open the door. Let's, yeah, we might as well say hello. Yeah. <laughs> let's not, quick lads, let's, let's mobilise. <laughs> let's not be impolite. Okay, well, I think it's time to hear the joke. So, this joke is called Three 
the Warren. One day, Jerry the taxi driver was driving when Roger from the office said to go to Three the Warren. Jerry thought he meant Frieda Warren. Jerry said, where is she? Roger said, what do you mean? Jerry said, I'm going to Frieda Warren, ain't I? Jerry said, no, silly, number three, the Warren. Oh, said Jerry. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I suppose, I suppose, yeah. And I suppose you've got no choice but to send that to the judges of Dave's joke of the fringe. Given that there's no fringe this year, I think you need to send that in. I might submit it. Um, I might submit it next year. Genuinely submit it. Yeah, in that in the in the fake PR rounds of going. Yeah. Oh, the the Guardian's top fifteen jokes of the fringe. The the Telegraph's eighty seven best jokes of the twenty twenty one fringe. Um, <laughs> when they haven't been to see a single show, and you just get your PR to send them three jokes. You yeah. should Absolutely yeah. send that and see if you get any replies saying, "Sorry, what are you talking?" Talk- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, is that in Jordan's show? Is that really in Jordan's show? Also, it's nice to have a joke with a title. You don't often get a joke with a title. <laughs> No, I might start adding. T- I might start being way more formal about my jokes. <laughs> this joke is called every time on stage. This joke yeah. is called <laughs> Air, this. This one's called airplane peanuts. Okay, <clears throat> <laughs> it does also give away a fair bit of information about the joke, but it doesn't <laughs> yeah. crucially give away the punchline, which is hand. Which is which is O oh, said Jerry. Which is O oh, said Jerry. Um, that should be your punchline. You know, actually, that is like exactly the punchline. Andrew Dice Clay uses. You've essentially gone, oh, <laughs> at the end of your joke. You are a young Andrew Dice Clay, and I've always said that. I've, I've imagined myself saying it in like Madison Square Garden. Yeah. <laughs> no, I said three the Warren. Oh! <laughs> I now have to score your work. It comes to the time where okay. I must score your work on three categories, as always. Those categories are originality, um, pure teen <laughs> horniness. And um, Mickey Mouse Club, Ryan Gosling, Ryan Goose score, which is how close is it to your work now? Does it show the potential of a future star? So each category Mm -hmm. is out of five. First category, originality. Now, I do find it pretty original to write a book called Amazing Ghost Stories, some poems and a funny joke. I do think at the age you were, that's quite an original idea. I also like that there's consistent themes throughout the work, which is pubs, fire, and ghosts <laughs> but um you have told me that a lot of these stories you are just repeating stories you were told by your nan or your dad but there's other mm-hmm. ones where you've just based it on reality like the wooden head um and this you know some of them are pretty wild i was gonna because you told me that your dad would just tell you these stories and then you've written them up i was going to give you a two but because the skeleton goes brown and then has a ribbon on it which no one will ever be able to analyse and understand what that means. I'm going to bump it up to a four out of five for originality. Um, pure teen horniness. Well, I don't feel comfortable. Uh, these are. I'd like to hear it. Some of the least horny um, <laughs> stories and poems I've ever heard in my life. I can't even read into that. There's not even subtext here that implies anything. There's a lot of stealing boys. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of boys getting stolen. Boys getting um, stolen. Pubs. A lot of a lot of ghosts o'clock. in the corner in the background. There's no there's there's no nothing sexual at all. It's got to be a zero. Zero out of okay. five. Uh, Do you know what? Then, Happy with that. Yeah, and then finally, it's uh, Mickey Mouse Club. Ryan Gosling, Ryan Goose score. How close is it to your work now? Now, what I would say is, <laughs> um, it's absolutely identical. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, what I think is. I like the meta title. That, I mean, that does show me something. The fact that you're, gonna, you're telling us sort of what you're going to do with mm. this and you're sort of breaking down the idea of a book, just saying exactly what it is. I like that. Um, Thank you. There is a bit of a lie in it. You say some poems, that definitely does imply more than two. There's only two poems. That reminds yeah. me of um, you fake, fake out ending to your show. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. A funny joke. And the joke is... It's pretty. It's pretty anti-comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, obviously, you have got your Andrew Dice Clay catchphrase in there. Um, I've got to go for. There's definitely also there's darkness in it. The, the whole thing's dark because it's all mm. about people getting trapped and murdered and skeletons and stuff. You, you, if you do dark stuff now, it's much more existential uh, and more about mental yeah. health. But yeah, if it like like being bricked in, that I would I would probably describe that 
like mentally happening rather than physically. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. You have been, yeah, you turn around, no one was there and then suddenly you're bricked in and then people come back and it's in a theater, remember? Yeah. Um, so if you're, it's like you feel penned in within the confines of a theater and you just want to be able to create and take, I mean, absolute bollocks, not true. But anyway, I will give you a uh, four out of five for Great. Mickey Mouse Club. So that is eight out of 15. Very respectable score. Lovely. Thank you so much. Now we come to the point where I must read you something of mine. Um, I was much older than you. I I was 16, I believe, when I wrote this. It's in a book I've been reading from a lot of this series, which is uh, Roy Lichtenstein's Wham! poster on a notepad that I got from the Tate as a teen. And uh, this is a... This book is full. It's a sketchbook, but I just filled it with like very first draft poems that I never looked at again. And it's this is quite short, and it doesn't have a title, but it has one of the one of the most incredible opening lines to anything I've ever written. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> Go if only open heart surgery actually left you with an open heart, <laughs> and you start from this hollow past, a fast relief, a parting sheath, a heart's belief. The more open I become, the more vulnerable I am. The more closed I then result, the more I give a damn. And the more I pine for romantic surgery to mend, no matter how pristine and fine a metaphor cannot defend from a love virus, we can't pretend we're survivors. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) What do you think of that? Any questions? Genuinely, genuinely, if I wrote that now, I, I think I'd be like, I might have a fucking... I might be able to build something from this. Right, explain to me where the merit is in that. Because sometimes I read the poems on here and then people say to me, that's actually a good poem. And I think, well, I can see why you think that because it's got good rhyming structure and yeah. it's like dense, it rhymes densely. This, but I, could, couldn't eat, I couldn't defend this. Well, firstly, it is a, it is a beautiful opening line. Is it though? Because what am I getting at? What am I getting at? That I'm going out with a girl who's just had to have open heart surgery and she still is a bit closed off to me. (laughs) Yeah, but I think that isn't... I think taking something, a physical thing, and applying it to a more sort of emotional experience for someone someone uh, of 16 is pretty good. And to, to... to describe, to try and describe the sort of so the, the sort of second half is you're descri- you're trying to talk about openness but also being closed and being closed through being open like there, there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting st- stuff in there that I certainly wouldn't have done when I was sixteen I would have done uh, an open heart surgery where he cuts the heart open and there's just another open heart surgery inside <laughs> yeah fair enough. And that's all based on your granddad moving to smaller and smaller houses. <laughs> <laughs> Russian doll home. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's go for the scores. So, number one, I need your score on originality out of five. Well, look, a teenager writing a love poem is 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 embarrassingly trite. So I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm, but but I do think that there is some there's some interesting stuff with the with the rhymes. I, I would I would give it a two for originality. Two. Because I'll of the imagery, it. because of the interesting use of 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 like open heart surgery. Okay, yeah, because of the, because of the best opening line in the history of poetry. Sure. Um, <laughs> uh, pure teen horniness. Five, baby. Yeah, uh, parting sheath. Parting sheath. Referring to a condom I've not yet needed to use. <laughs> uh, and the final one is Mickey Mouse Club. Ryan Gosling, Ryan Goose score. How much potential does it show for um, who you know me to be now? Do you know what? I, I'm going to give it a four, and I don't want to. And I don't want to say that insultingly, but you're very good. Your stuff is very wordy. You know, there's a lot of words stuff. It's it's clear. It's very evident here of your fascination <laughs> with with words. So I would say it's a it's a strong indicator, not of content, but certainly of form and and the focus that you you have. And plus, my most recent tour show was called Love Virus. So was it uh, actually? No, no, of course not. Of course not. <laughs> I mean, imagine if it was. The fact that that was believable to you. Uh, yeah, we're just going to see Reese James Love Virus. Um, I think it's going to be pretty. That's going to be pretty good. Uh, okay, cool. Which means that I got thirteen out of fifteen. Uh, so that is thirteen to eight. That means that I win the episode. But as ever, the message of the show is that we're both losers. That's the whole point. 
So now all we're left with, Jordan, is time for you to read us your final piece that we will mm-hmm. produce up and put music under, some sound effects, whatever's appropriate. And I believe this is from a different book. Yeah, so this is, this is I was a little bit older. I was about uh, 10, 11. And so, I'd, so my parents got divorced and I moved to Surrey, moved down to Molesey, West Molesey. And so I joined a new school and... Uh, Again, for some reason, wrote this little book where they they, they like laminated the cover, and it's called "The Haunting of St Lawrence School." And I'm going to read you. I'll read you the first paragraph, and then I'll read you the last paragraph because it's not it's not crazy long, but it's it's not that interesting. But the first paragraph does give you give you an indication of of where I was at in my life. All right. I didn't like my new school. It gave me the creeps. My mum had had enough of Liverpool, so she wanted to live somewhere else. I told her, I don't want to go and live here. But no, it wasn't working. I knew I was going to have to put up with it for a long time. My new school was terrible. I couldn't stand it. Anyway, my name's Jordan. I have not made any friends yet, but I'm sure I will sooner or later. I watched the news that night and was shocked to see that my school had been burned down and that Mr Hardy was reported to have been in the fire. Six months later, our school was rebuilt. It was a much happier school, and I soon made lots of friends. I am much happier now. The end. (laughs) Oh my god. Now, may I refer you back to when I predicted what you were like (laughs) at school, and I literally said, the teacher's worst nightmare, not in a show-off to your mates kind of way, more in a, oh no, that quiet boy set fire to the mass block kind of way. Yeah, fair. I mean, come on. You burnt down a school so that all new people would have to come back. People would basically get a sense of perspective and realise we should be friends with that guy. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, it implies that some some Carrie-esque shenanigans took place. Uh, This is also, by the way, the third school-burning-down story on this podcast. Really? I mean, it's the third in this fucking episode, but it's the... uh... It once again, it, it's not even in the same book. It's not even in the same collection, and it ties in loads of your uh, themes that you always have. School, yeah. a location you use a lot. Fire. Um, I mean, we're going to end up with some ghosts because Mister What's His Name was in there. Mister Hardy was in the fire. Mister Hardy was in the fire, so he's going to be haunting the school from now on. Yeah, it perfectly ties together everything you wrote. Mm. Have you learned any new themes about your childhood from this experience? Yeah, I think. Um... What I what I would like to do is is to go back to these themes for my next show. Yeah, because <laughs> it feels like I have, there's a lot of unfinished business, much like a ghost. <laughs> yeah, just it's just yeah, ghosts. I mean, the end of your if you have the end of your show right, where we can't see what's happening, but you're clearly being dragged by something, and then your mm. arm is out, and then suddenly your hand turns into a skeleton that goes brown, <laughs> and a ribbon comes on it. Uh, then you will it'll be standing ovation every night. It will be amusing to only you if you come and see it. And no <laughs> yeah. one else. No one else will understand what this is. <laughs> yeah, and I won't go and see it because it's not really my sort of thing, your stuff. But uh, anyway. <laughs> there it was, Jordan Brooks slash Andrew Dice Clay. Finally, I've been trying to book Andrew Dice Clay for years. And finally, I got him to do his famous oh catchphrase at the end of a very slow and soft word misunderstanding joke listening back to that episode i love the idea of him getting confused as to what a children's book publisher was just just publishing books by children it's lovely stuff check out jordan's work if you haven't seen it i think he's got two specials available on his website uh which is uh, jordanbrookscomedy.com so he's not that risky a comic actually if he was his website would be jimdavidsoncomedy.biz as ever, please give the show a review on your podcast app of choice and tell your housemate that you need to have a word at 6pm and then leave the country for several years, writing to him or her on the 7th anniversary of the day you were supposed to have a word saying, are you still on for 6pm? And then at 6pm, phone them up and just say, listen to early work and then hang up and delete their number. It really helps the podcast if you do that, so we'd really appreciate it. Thank you. Goodbye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.